Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the Two Scene Podcast. Welcome, first-time listeners, to the Two Scene Podcast, a podcast where two journalists sit down and talk baseball. I'm your host, Tyler Foy, and with me, as always, is the wonderful Camilo Fonseca. And Camilo, mm-hmm. why don't we start with, how are you doing? I'm great. I just got to go to a fantastic baseball game the other uh, couple nights ago, uh, which was really fun. And the Rays won last night. And they won today, actually, as well. So yes, as we are I, I'm, recording. I'm floating on air right now. Yep, this is the recording of Wednesday um, afternoon. So some games have been played, some games are still ongoing, but that's kind of the time reference that, so you guys can understand. And what Camilo is alluding to is that we went to our first re- uh, baseball game uh, in the pitch clock era. Yes. And it was very fun. Um, you know, I really didn't feel, at least at this game specifically, maybe if we went to a different one, we would have felt it a little more. I didn't feel like it was that crazy. Like, I don't know why I expected it to be like... See, but that's the thing is that I think it's I think that's good is that we're not thinking about the pitch clock. Um is that it just it's just good baseball. You you only notice the only time that you would notice anything or that you should notice anything um with the time of a baseball game is if it's going too long, you know. Mm-hmm. Um which, you know, thanks to these new rules it hasn't happened yet. So that's that's good. Yeah, yeah, you you were saying that our our game didn't even clock in that short it was, it was like, still a it was still almost nearly a three-hour game but it didn't feel there was lots of action i mean the there were some stolen bases um, there were no um no violations no pitch clock violations yeah got close a couple times but no i was counting down the clock i was having a little fun with. i think I that's an extra element of of suspense added to you know added to to watching a baseball if you're game focusing is, on it yeah and if you're not focusing on it you're not missing out on anything really um like you can still enjoy the game without thinking about the pitch clock but i feel like if you've got that in the corner of your eye there's that added element of suspense um especially in person you know watching watching it yeah it was, it was good it was fun so i didn't know that um i thought when i saw the red sox put in their new light system um i didn't know actually it was a lot of mlb teams put in their uh the similar new light system i don't know if that was mandated by mlb that to improve lighting i don't think every single team did it um but it was pretty fun being there and seeing the light show at least for my first time um when a red sox player hits a home run but i've seen a lot of interesting takes about those kind of light shows that have been going on where um, Cody, or I don't know, I don't think it was Cody Bellinger. Somebody hit a home run in a Dodger game, and the lights went out before the ball even had reached the stands, which is cool. Like no doubters are fun, yeah. but somebody can legitimately get hurt because the light goes out, and then all of a sudden the baseball is flying out. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, maybe wait until the ball is actually you know hit the ground first. Um, that is funny. I hadn't heard about that. No, but I thought even that was an added element of of you know, getting the, the fans into it. Oh, it, it was so fun. I, I love things like that. Big, big lights guy, big lights guy over here. Um, and it was fun. It was fun. And I'm sure the game in general was fun for you, not because the Red Sox had won, but 
I think, I mean, that was the the closest you've ever been to. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there were there were great seats. There was, I mean, the fact that you know, able being able to see that was the first time I'd seen Shohei Otani, Mike Trout. You know, these two actual like literal legends of the game. Um, it it was fantastic to have been able to experience that firsthand. I, I hopefully the first of many times, but. Yeah, baseball's back, and that was that was a great way to um, to cement that, solidify that. Yeah, well, we were close enough to kind of chirp at the Red Sox on deck uh, player, uh, and I was oh yeah, was you're pretty... close, you're you're a close personal friend, uh, Tristan Casas. Yeah, I think he heard me. I think he did, but I was I was yelling at him the entire game. Fellow high school alums, yeah, um, I'm sure he heard you. I'm sure he did. That's why he. Uh, brief hitless that game brief yeah (laughs) he's had a lot of hitless games um, (laughs) including last night Um, Uh, but we'll get into some individual performances later but i think as we're on the topic of uh, the pitch clock and the new rules um our favorite thing to look at every single year is the mlb experiment league otherwise known as the atlantic uh league is a professional baseball scene where they Every single year, for some reason, you know, they try to it's a test testing ground. Yeah, rules, and there's three that are going to be in play for their season, and I can't say I like any of them. Yeah, I mean, so the three rules are uh, a designated pinch runner. Um, you know, every team will have somebody on their roster that they can put in pinch run situations. As many times, you know, he can come in and he can go out as yeah. many times in the game. Uh, there's the a rule proposed that the pitcher would only be able to disengage uh, from the batter uh, once a uh, at bat, so you know stepping off the mound, pickoff attempts, stuff like that. The third rule is this is the one that I think people are the most uh, confused about: the double hook designated hitter. Um, so if a pitcher on a team doesn't make it through five innings the starting pitcher doesn't make through five innings then that team would lose its right to have a designated hitter um and they would have to have pitchers you know presumably be batting for the rest of the game um these are not good rules these are not good rules um and i don't and it's it's astonishing to me i think it's manfred drunk on on success because the rules that they implement at the beginning of the year you know they have they've been a hit they've they've been a hit hit. but the reason they have been a hit i would contend is that they were addressing clear identifiable issues that you know people have been drawing attention to for a long time i don't know what any of what issues any of these are solving you know what what are they what is the, the problem with the game uh in using a designated hitter um or like is there a problem that that starting pitchers are not going five innings yeah i think that's what they're trying i think that's what they're trying to address but even that like is that really that big of an issue that you would have to you know i don't know i mean the the first of all that practically eliminates bullpen games um or it would force um teams using doing bullpen games to not use a designated hitter, um, which, you know, both of those outcomes are terrible. Uh, that, see, that's the rule that I, I think is really ridiculous. The, the single disengagement, you know, I, I don't like it, but I can I can see where that's coming from. Um, I don't think that's really an issue with the pitch clock anyways now, but 
Uh, and then the designated pinch runner, fine, that doesn't really change anything. I would worry that teams would exploit it to, um, you know, if you're only running pinch runners for a certain batter. I don't know. I don't hate either of those two rules. It's really this 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 double hook DH thing that's just mind boggling to me. So I'll I'll start there. I'll start there. I didn't. I well, I would love to voice some stuff about the other two rules, but I'll start with the double hook. I don't think the the pitching for five innings is really a problem. Um, and even recently, well, in recent history, they even expanded the roster to twenty six players just so bullpens can have an extra player in them. So you kind of it's strange to really propose this idea um, when when you've done other things in the past to kind of negate it, right? Um, pitchers going shorter is just kind of how the game's gone because as um, people have noted, there's more stress on the arm, so people so pitchers can't go as far um, because of that. Uh, they're not just throwing harder, but they're trying to throw with more spin and all that um, jazz. But not jazz, Chisholm. Uh, just regular Different jazz. jazz. Different yeah. jazz. And this would also kill, as you, meant, you just mentioned, bullpen games. I think openers. I mean, as a race fan, this has got to be exactly. massive to you. Know, you. This, is, this, is, this would be a fundamental uh, change to the way the game is played. You know, it's not like the pitch clock where it's, you know, sort of tidying things up, making things more more strict. It is completely changing the way um, every team, but some teams more than other, play the game. And so what? So what a pitcher gets shelled in the first inning? So your, your starter doesn't go, you know, I think Kevin Gosman recently, first inning against the Astros, he let go seven runs. Now that team that gave up seven runs, uh, needing to fight back. They need to pull a lot of runs here, a lot of offense. They lose their DH because the starting pitcher comes out. They lose that. The pitcher has to bat in wherever the DH is. The DH typically isn't batting ninth in the order, okay? The DH is probably, for a lot of teams, hitting in that middle of the lineup spot. So now you have a pitcher hitting in the middle of the lineup spot for the entire game. Um, You're going to empty out your pinch hitters because, as we remember, when pitchers used to hit, you know, especially in a game where... The, the you starter, don't want him hitting all the time, you know? And the starter had just given up so many runs, so these are all going to be relievers. And that what used to happen was whenever a reliever came up to bat, that guy's out of the game, right? You can almost bet on it. They're not taking hacks. So I don't think this actually helps anyone. It doesn't. And it's uh, it's uh, it doesn't help anybody. It's Only the team that... It's not addressing a real problem. Um, and, you know... The thing that the other thing that boggles the mind is that this comes just two years after Universal DH was implemented, which is by far the rule change that most people have been in support in. I think you know I, I can't think of another rule change within the last five to ten years um, that has been you know so relatively non-controversial as the Universal DH. People don't want to see pitchers hit. Like, especially now that they've had two years of universal DH, people don't want to go back to seeing pitchers hit. No one wants that. So I don't know what genius in Major League Baseball decided that this is the future or that this could be the future of the game. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Yeah, and then moving forward to the other ones. I think we can both agree we don't like that one. Let's go to the the least... I guess controversial one of these ones, 
Um, and probably the least impactful would be the single enga- disengagement limit. Right now, pitchers are limited to two pickoffs or two disengagements. Um, and a disengagement doesn't have to be a pickoff. It could be a pitcher calling time, right? Redo the signs or maybe they don't like what they're hearing on the pitch com. The pitch clock's going down. They take their step off so they don't make a violation, right? They can readjust as well. The one pickoff per at-bat or one step off. So if you step off anyways, you can't pick off anymore, right? Mm. At the moment, if you were to pick off um, a third time in an A-B, you'd have to get the out or else it's a balk. The runner gets the next base. I don't like it. I I think they already have limited pitchers. And I think it's a fair limitation at the moment. Right? Why even flirt with the idea of, all right, why don't we just do no pickoffs? Right? Why don't we just go all the way? Right. No pickoffs. At at this point, it's like this. First of all, these new rules were part of the batch that were just implemented. So we've had less than like, you know, we've had three weeks to see what these new disengagement rules are like. And we're not even waiting for that to we're already pushing through more disengagement limits um, or experimenting with them. Like, I don't understand. I don't understand where the... And again, I don't really have a big problem with this rule. Um, I, I wouldn't be in support of it. You're right. I think that the current limits are fair. But the rule in itself is not what I am taking issue with. I'm taking issue with the fact that these are all solutions to non-existent problems. Nobody's nobody's really crying out for single disengagements. Mm-mm. Nobody's crying out for we need a designated pinch runner. I don't think I mean some people might like well, it. Well, let's get into the designated yeah, pinch sure. runner. So, with the designated pinch runner, uh once again the 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 pinch runner who would be on the MLB roster, I don't know how it would work with their rosters, um but and also, I don't think a lot of the rule, that specific one, is very defined. Um, there's a lot of question marks I think a lot of people have, and we're going to have to see how they enforce it in the Atlantic League. Um, like, how can a, can a pinch runner be used in more than once in the same inning? Um, you know, what, there's a lot of things I think that are very confusing about it to begin with. Um, but yes, a player could be on the roster. His one job is to run. We've seen it actually experimented in baseball before, and it hadn't worked. Um, well, not like an enforced one, but like a player that was signed to a team specifically to steal like bases. Score? Yeah, Terrence Score is a more recent one. There was one player in like the 80s, though, that um, like got caught stealing. Like 50% of the time, he was like a track star. They signed him as an experiment for pinch running, and huh. he That's couldn't funny. do it. Because everybody knew he was running. He right. everybody knows you're running. You know, you're going to pitch out. You're going to move fast. Similar probably case in this one. But I don't like it, not just because the I think tactically you're getting rid of a lot of what makes a manager so good. Um, you can't just be, just because you have a slow runner on, right? Every single slow runner, every slugger that can't run, now you're just taking them out, right? Mm-hmm. The reason you have a pinch runner even go on is it's like more of like a, all right, this is your one use. This guy is not a, as good of a hitter, probably. He's going to need to be a defensive replacement as well. He's going to be put on this bag at this very moment to help the chances to win this ball game, score more runs. Maybe it's an impactful situation. You're really devaluing maybe that kind of call when you're just like, oh, every single time Stanton gets on base. Right, it makes it easier. Get him out for, of the game. For managers, you know. 
And I think as well for ball players, I mean, we're talking about the highest level of our sport right here. And it's you're right. It is. I think this is what you're. It's it's incentivizing, uh, or I should say, uh, disincentivizing um, sluggers to also be athletic on the base paths. That... If they know that they are, which I mean, obviously, you know, players are still going to have to be athletic to some degree but if you can just be pulled out if you could if you know that you're always going to be taken out um and be replaced with a pinch runner i think that degrades the value or that would degrade the value of certain players and i think it's the trade-off in baseball like it's probably what makes a lot of players who they are i mean there's some in the league that are just slower there you just can't get around that that's just who they are but they hit well probably some don't. Some are just uh, some bums. <laughs> but, you know, I think about David Ortiz, and I, I question whether or not while he was playing, would I want to see him taken out of the game every single time he got on base? And I don't think I, I would want it. It's just part, I mean, I mean, I know I've said this before for other rules, but I do think this is just like, this is a part of sports. You're going to have players that are better yeah. at some things. There's no reason uh, to be like, this guy's slow, get him out of the game. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's strange to me, and I don't really like it. Um, but I feel like my reasoning isn't as solid as my reasoning for not liking the other two. I guess that's true. I think I I can see this being. Put I can into see place. how it could work. Yes, but I, I sorry. I I just don't. I wouldn't like where this is taking the game because I think one of the great things about baseball is that compared to a sport like football, for example, is that there is no clearly defined distinction between players that are. Um, you know, sluggers or runners or defensive wizards or what have you, because they're all hitting in the same lineup. It's that um, heterogeneous, you know, sort of mix that I think is is really cool about baseball, as opposed to like football, where you have you know your defense, you have your offense, you have your special teams. Everybody's specialized in something. That's not the case in baseball, um, which you know, I, I and that's sort of changed and and ebbed and flowed over the years, but. I do think that's really cool, and this this pinch runner thing would sort of um, take away from that. I don't hate this one as much as I I do, you know. Again, as we said, the 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 DH one or even the engagement one, but yeah, I'm not not a big fan. D- don't think it's necessary. Don't think it's necessary. Those ga- those rule changes would change the game for sure um, in ways that we just dis- we just disagree with, um, and I can say that confidently. And you know what, why don't we, you know, what would be important would be to probably address the actual players playing the game right now. And I, sometimes MLBPA can be very, um, well, difficult to work with, but at the same time, I think this is, this is definitely something that would need to be addressed. Um, and I don't think any of them really want this opportunity except for speedsters. Maybe speedsters are like, yes, this is my opportunity to get back. Brett in. Phillips. Billy Hamilton. Billy Hamilton, yeah. Terrence Gore, you know, like certain players yeah. like that would definitely uh, benefit from it. I just don't know whether or not they should be, <laughs> you know. Mm. They weren't they weren't hitting. But there's some players that are in the league right now that are doing some pretty good stuff at the plate in terms of hitting. And I'd like to start talking about some of the players that have been uh, standouts to start the season um, and that you guys should keep your eyes on. I had Luis Arias as my batting title pick for the national league 
and I'm looking at it pretty confidently right now as of yesterday he was batting 471. We are three weeks in the season. This guy's nearly batting 500, guys. <laughs> he had a cycle for the Marlins, and honestly, what a trade. Um, and I think both teams are happy. Uh, if you guys don't remember, in the offseason, it was Luis Arias and um, for Pablo Lopez and a prospect, I believe. Pablo Lopez just signed a deal, a four-year deal, with the Minnesota Twins. So obviously, they're happy with that. The Marlins are happy with Luis Arias. The Twins are doing well. The Marlins are doing unexpectedly well. And um, it's a jolly good show for both teams. Uh, what are your thoughts on Luis Arias? Uh, he's really good. Um, I mean, those are essentially my thoughts. I don't think I had... I think I had Soto as my uh, National League batting champion. Not looking but, good so far. But n- not looking good so far. That was a little bit of an outside pick, I'll admit. Well, it's um, not great for my Padres picks either yeah <laughs> the Padres haven't really found it yet but Manny Machado did you see what Manny Machado said today no today no I he haven't. said don't hop on the bandwagon when we're um don't hop on the bandwagon later when we're raking it's something along those lines um but I'm not I'm on the bandwagon now I guess I'm still rooting for yeah, them prematurely for, maybe um but and then there's some other guys that have definitely been pretty, that have been swinging it well, um, and are very important to their team, which is, I want to mention Bryson Stott. Uh, he's a person that's really surprised me to this point of the season. Um, and I watched a breakdown the other day of what he kind of changed with the swing, being a little more closed um, and allowing for more contact uh, to, to be his thing. He's a very fast runner, so he's going to be important for the Phillies, especially when they have so many injured players. they got to have players to step up. Um, but as Philly's doubters, yeah, I can't imagine um, a little little contact from Bryson Stott is stopping us from. Yeah, no, they're they're not winning it this year. It's not their year, Philly. Sorry, Bryson wow. Stott's gonna be injured next Bry- week. Oh, uh, gonna be out for the season. Calling injuries here. Uh, yeah. I mean, hey, I don't have anything against him personally, but you know, it's it, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. Some players are a lot more injury prone than others, um, and some players have their entire careers, you know, kind of ruined by injury. Sometimes, you know, it's it's tough. You know, it's a tough sport. I don't um, like where you're going. And yeah. one player that I would like to highlight that is really having a maybe a resurgence, an unexpected one, uh, is Cody Bellinger, who has battled some injuries <laughs> for the Dodgers. And <laughs> I thought you were going with Jeffrey Springs. I'm looking at this pod log right here, and I was like waiting for you to get to Jeffrey. Yeah, Cody Bellinger. Cody Bellinger, Cody Bellinger has Bellinger. battled some injuries. Uh, it's been a tough couple years for him in um, for the Dodgers. And, you know, he was a MVP candidate, Rookie of the Year. You know, he's had a lot of upside, but he's just struggled out there in L.A. for a bit. And then he goes over to Chicago and the Cubs have done pretty well, and Cody Bellinger's been a big reason why. Uh, the guy has, I think, three home runs on the year, or somewhere of that, and then as well as a pretty decent batting average that if he can keep it up, um, you know, maybe it was a change of scenery, maybe it's the way they're utilizing him in the lineup. You know, with, when you're playing on a team like the Dodgers, and you're not, you know, you're a guy that's so used to being in, like, the middle of the order, and then all of a sudden all these superstars are kind of, I don't know. It can be a lot of There's mental There's a lot factors. less pressure, I think. Oh, that's right true. Now. There is a lot less pressure. 
um, on a team like this and an organization that has struggled um, in recent history, <laughs> long-term history as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I-, I like to see this from Cody Bellinger. I kind of really felt bad for him in those years. And I don't think he's a necessary. You know, he's, there's nothing like a bad guy about him. Um, he's just had a couple rough seasons. Yeah, you got to wonder. I-, I don't know if it was a change of scenery. Uh, I mean, obviously the shift getting taken away this year, if that was part of it. Um, he- he's batting 302 on the season right now. You know, that's this is the first season he's had a positive OPS plus since 2020 you know in 2020 um, not a real season yeah famously the mickey mouse mickey mouse season which means we never really the rays never really lost the world series in 2020 mm, but they did in 2008 mm, okay uh so but yeah i mean they're not like 2019 we're not looking at 2019 cody bellinger here um but yeah he's been he's been doing really well the only thing that i guess would sort of uh dampened my enthusiasm is the cubs have not played uh every time with me it's got to go back to strength of schedule uh, and the cubs have not played good teams really the best team that they played i think have he's been... faced good pitchers though i that is true he's fa- i mean he's faced uh they played milwaukee so he would have faced any of the Corbin great, burns any of the great pitchers there. yeah you know i think he's faced good pitchers you know i i so I, I don't know. If and they I would played. Really... I, I I wonder what his splits were. Well, he had know, a home run against the Dodgers. Against the Dodgers. Oh, really? Okay. So yeah. I mean, if if he's showing up against you know his former club, then yeah, that's encouraging for sure. I don't know. I think it's great to be talking about all these players right now, but realistically speaking, we have to wait at least a couple, like a month or two, to make any. Um, real judgments about their season uh but he's certainly going in the right direction certainly certainly and although although we might have to wait for a while to talk about some players and seeing how they turn out you know i would like to kind of mention this american league cy young race that might be happening between garrett cole and Luis Castillo. Luis Castillo was my pick. I said, you know what? He could be a major surprise. It's been a bit since we've had a surprise, which isn't true. Sandy Alcantara won, uh, but I think in the American League, we haven't had a surprise in a while. Um, and I think Luis Castillo was that kind of guy. So far, he has a, I think, 0.71 ERA, and Garrett Cole, and he's 3-0. Garrett Cole, 4-0, with a point. Um, nine five. So you know, sub one ERAs here from two great aces. I hate to see it for Garrett Cole, but you know he's he's a good pitcher, highest paid pitcher yeah. of all time. Um, so you you gotta expect that he's gonna pitch well. Um, it's gonna be really interesting to watch. I think those two starts whenever they you know whenever they get on the mound, you gotta be locked in and paying attention to what they're doing because it could really be just those two. That are going to be fighting for it. But, you know, I picked Luis Castillo for my Cy Young for American League. Here it is. And, Here it comes. You know, injuries play a lot into these award oh, predictions. Geez. And we never know what's going to happen. Um, but I'm going to give Camilo the opportunity now to switch his Ugh. American League Cy Young prediction while we're still early into the season because his pick, Jeffrey Springs is going to be out until 2024. You know what? Um, so, yeah. So, sometimes um, life gives you lemons. And you have to make lemonade. 
Um, Jeffrey Springs, who was rocking a 0.56 ERA, uh, American League leading ERA, by the way, uh, over 16 innings pitched, uh, has been sidelined with Tommy John uh, problems, and he will be out till middle of 2024. So my pick for the American League Cy Young is uh, probably incorrect. Mm. I would I would assume Jeffrey Springs is not getting the Cy Young this year. I don't anymore. know. Sixteen innings they amount to that's some total. I, that's yeah. true. Hey, and we don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the league too. You have to think about. Oh yes, you know, everybody else. Getting if injured. Garrett Cole gets injured, you know, Luis. Gets, yeah, so I think every single pitcher would have to drop dead. Mm-hmm. And but. then we just look at, uh, yeah, so, I mean, if that doesn't happen, Jeffrey Springs will not be getting the American League Cy Young. As far as the Rays go, I don't think this is, it's obviously not great to be losing arguably your best pitcher, but the Rays' rotation, I think, is is well-equipped as any to deal with oh, this sort of loss. Tell me about it. Um, you know, I mean, Zach Eflin coming back, Shane McClanahan. Honestly, and I would say Shane McClanahan is probably my... Um, Cy Young pick now because I said it was going to be a Ray and I do think That's you know fine. he's had he I think his his ERA is something like 130 140 right now you know he's still he's certainly within top five of, of American League pitchers. and he certainly will probably be I mean we don't know injury yeah we don't but, know you know he certainly probably will be God know, forbid any injury end. to him he'll be in Cy Young he'll get Cy Young votes at least so I'll, I'll say that's my pick I mean so this rotation has got him Zach Eflin's coming back as I said um Rasmussen and they brought up uh Ty Bradley Taj Brad I don't know if it's Ty or Taj Bradley um, who is you know the Rays' number one prospect, eighteen number eighteen overall prospect, um, according to MLB.com. So yeah, so so far he's done great. You know, two sixty one ERA over ten innings pitched. Um, he will hold down the fort just fine. But it is it is very it's not great to hear that that this guy's Jeffrey Springs who was having. Who was going to have you know a great season? Um, by the looks of it, will be sidelined for the foreseeable future. And we don't know, you know, you don't know what ha- you know. This is going to change his career forever, right? I mean, we don't know what he's going to come back looking like in twenty twenty four. But that's not something to worry about. Until that's all not. Then. We don't need to worry about. But that. yeah, the Rays yeah. bring up another fantastic arm, their number one prospect um, in their organization, and he has a rough kind of game one ish against the red sox lineup that at the time was kind of swinging it really well um i tell you what though that first game i i didn't watch the whole game but i saw clips of him pitching um and i i think he had some you know there were just a couple mislocations that didn't go his way but i think on the whole i i it was not a discouraging outing i didn't say it was and hey they won he they won the game so well yeah that was part of their long win streak that went to 13 games one game away from one breaking game away yeah mlb record but they did lose to the blue jays i think we got to mention that the rays if you haven't been watching baseball and you just listen to the two scene podcast well i mean god bless your soul but um <laughs> the rays lost they ended their uh their their winning streak uh, they had a couple losses string together there, and um, they're now they get to bounce back against Cincinnati, another weak team, 
Mm-hmm. Well, hey, but those are the teams that you have to you have to win against, you know. And they've been they've been winning against that. I mean, they today, were swept today. By... They won eight uh, to nothing, you know. Yeah, last year they actually got swept by Cincinnati. I saw so um... they did. I remember that as well. That was not a, not a good memory. So... No, they're winning the games they have to win. They took one out of the three uh, games in Toronto, and and the other. Not that I think anybody should be you know crying about calls as the re- you know calls are as the reason that games are won or lost but some of the officiating in those toronto games was just terrible um so i think on the whole in the three losses and in the what is it 15 wins now 14 15 wins they've been playing well so I'm I'm still very much encouraged by this team, even with the loss of Jeffrey Springs. Yeah, and uh, we'll, we'll stick with looking at some of our picks that we chose for the um, for our awards predictions. Just kind of giving an update on it. Both had Masataka Yoshida as the Rookie of the Year. He's not doing so great, but he started of off people, hot. He started a lot of people hot, are saying but... not to worry, and I'm not worrying. You know, there's a long season ahead of us. Um, but he hasn't really looked to be the great contact guy. He's rolling over a lot, which I wonder if just how pitchers are pitching him in the major leagues versus how they're pitching him in the WBC and in Japan. You know, a lot of weak ground balls. Um, so maybe just an adjustment there, you know. It's contact, though. He's not, like, striking out every game. Like Tristan Casas is. <laughs> Tristan Casas struck out four times last night. Tristan Casas almost leading the league i think it's right now <laughs> so that needs to get fixed he was also up there for rookie of the year but another thing is gunner henderson and volpe all three of those guys so casas volpe and gunner henderson the young you know the rookie of the years that were you know slated to win very very, very hyped. hyped to win you know i'm not looking at masataka yoshida because he's an older veteran player but those three were like actual young prospects entering the league and all three of them have kind of struggled so you know being a big league player is it very just happens. difficult. Exactly, you know? it just happens, you know. I, and I don't necessarily know that all three will get it figured out, um, but I'm sure at least one of them by the end of the year will have, you know, will have rebounded from their their current form. Uh, speaking of rookie of the year, I think Ty Bradley is is genuinely a candidate for rookie of the year. I'm not going to say that it's he, always tougher for pitchers. It, it is, it is tougher. tougher for, for it's tougher for pitchers, but you know, it, it could happen. It's it's possible. Um, you know why didn't we go with Jordan Walker for the National League? Why did we both say? I think on... we both wanted to be different because Jordan. Walker, we both did want to be we different, both but to be we ended different. up the same. So <laughs> <laughs> Jordan Walker, I think even that was the conventional wisdom. So I really don't know why we didn't pick that, but um, we didn't go with it. And then moving forward to the MVPs, you we both said Trey Turner, but then I was like, you know what, Acuna was second on my board. I'll choose Acuna. That's looking a lot better for me. Trey Turner recently, uh, today actually, hit his first home run with the Phillies, which if you had watched the WBC, you're like, what the heck? This guy shouldn't what, he be leading the happening? league. Yeah. But, you know, Acuna's batting like 379-ish. Yeah, the Braves in general are just steamrolling. Well, what did I say? Yeah. What I did mean, I say? I mean, we all knew that the Braves were going to be competitive. Um, I think you were higher on them. I mean, you were higher on them than I was, but jesus like yeah but the mets the mets have also figured it out last episode we talked about mets you don't need to panic stop panicking you guys always panic there's no need to panic (laughs) and all of a sudden they're winning games they're they're (laughs) they have a very good record in the in the american national league 
and it was a little silly of them, but it's so Mets fan of them, right? To kind of panic all that. They're fine. Alonzo leading the league, or at least tied leading the league in home runs with eight. Um, he might have another one today and against the Dodgers. Um, Justin Verlander still isn't back yet, but he's thrown some bullpens, so he's on his way to making his return. Uh, and in terms of players making their return, on our way, Fernando Tatis Jr., Yes, he very hit close. six home runs in twelve abs, something like that. Maybe it was nine abs in Triple uh, A. So he's ready. I mean, he's he's smashing baseballs right now, and he's gonna be back. And and Padres, they've had a difficult start to the season. We'll see how they can kind of um, string together some offense. And you know, other <laughs> unlike an, an organization like Oakland, which. And to an extent, at one point, was Tampa. We're past panicking, I think, at this point in Oakland. Um, <laughs> we have panicked. The, the panic is over. We're just in, like, the aftermath of the panic at this point. Well, there still is panic because the Oakland Athletics don't even know if they're going to stay in Oakland, right? They could be moved out to Las Vegas. And that kind of segues into our next topic, which was a group of potential investors in the next expansion team for major league baseball um but a group in salt lake city has joined the fray we already i think we kind of knew that salt lake would be one of the cities that would compete Mm -hmm. for a spot you know they already have the utah jazz out there you know it's definitely gonna help utah economically uh tourist for you know all those different reasons um but i don't know necessarily if salt lake's the city Salt Lake City, um, to to be putting a, a baseball team. I'd like to get your thoughts, I guess, first here, Camilo, about, you know, this group. I, I mean, I think it's really interesting. You're right. Salt Lake City and Utah in general, that area of the country is very underserved by professional sports um, because I, mean, you're, I you would have to root for, I guess, the, the Rock, I guess that's Rockies territory, but also not really because it's far enough from denver where you could definitely put another team there and it would work um i'm a little skeptical of this just because i don't know i don't think salt lake is stronger than any of the other candidates in in fact i would say it's the weakest of all of the candidates that have been floated to this point i mean you mentioned nashville and, and portland um you know las vegas uh charlotte even montreal all of those you know they have their pros and cons but i think they're stronger than um salt lake just because in terms of i think most of them are larger cities in fact i would almost i I would put money on the fact not looking at any of the statistics but i think that they are all larger cities and faster growing metro areas than salt lake city also, I don't think Salt Lake City has the corporate support that is necessary for an MLB team to pay that expansion fee or even that relocation fee in the case of Oakland or another club. Um, we'll say Oakland for hypothetical reasons. Um, but I, I just don't know that the math makes sense there. As, as good as a team would work there, I don't know that there are the people willing to pay for it or... Um, that the league is really interested in doing it, even if the people in Salt Lake are interested. Um, you know, Nashville and Portland are the two ones that have done, I think, the most work uh, lobbying-wise. Um, that in terms of expansion, 
I think those are the most likely. Montreal has been talked about just because I think, you know, even if there's not a lot of a lobbying interest there, you know, there's the corporate support, there is the nostalgia element of it that I think a team would work there um, or could work there. Obviously, will is, you know, we know that a team will not necessarily work in Montreal. But, and Las Vegas as, um, and, and Charlotte even, both of them have, have stronger metrics in their favor than I think Salt Lake City does. Which is a shame, because I think Salt Lake City does deserve another professional sports team. But I I don't think it's very likely that this is the one that Major League Baseball picks. Yeah, you know, I think we, we mentioned the other sports team. Well, it's important to note that the uh, the group that is leading to buy or to at least put the bid in for Salt Lake City having a baseball team, a major league baseball team, because they're already the home of the Salt Lake City Bees, AAA <laughs> affiliate to the Los Angeles Angels. Um, you know, they're the the owners of the Utah Jazz, right? Um, the Miller Company, or at least the former. They kind of they pulled out of it in uh, 2020. Um, they pulled out of, of owning the Jazz, so they got some money to play with for sure. I think they pulled out with 1.6 billion. Um, and the family in general is apparently noted as, uh, by net worth, the wealthiest in Utah. Which, I mean, how what's the what's the what's the competition there in Utah? Mm-hmm. Of course, being <laughs> worth billions though is definitely helps that. Um, I think this is a team or an, a location that would need to overpay um, its competitors. But Salt Lake having a major league. Um, not you know a major sports team does help it out it would be great. you could see the yeah. infrastructure they already have a minor league ballpark right so you could kind of see how the infrastructure can play into it as far as the as far as like league dynamics who i think would be great it gives the rockies you know a natural geographic rival there um could i mean all of this you, we'd have to figure out with expansion and realignment and blah 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 i, I think it would fill a niche that you know if you're talking about um, Portland, for example, or Las Vegas, it, that might be a little harder to justify in those terms. But I just I I, I don't buy it, and it's not that. It, it is that I don't think Major League Baseball will buy it, because I would love to see a team in Salt Lake City, but I I just don't think it's going to happen. Hey, you know Dale Murphy. Oh yeah, famous. Braves fan, uh, two-time Braves, National Braves League player. MVP. You know, he moved with his family out to Utah after his career, and he said he'd love a team there, and it could work. So obviously, <laughs> you know what Dale Murphy also said recently was that the Rays have a lot to worry about for the rest of the season in terms of getting complacent. So I don't know how you feel about Dale Murphy and his thoughts about the Rays, but he thinks it could work in Utah. I'm glad for Dale Murphy that he thinks that. Um, I don't... Here's the thing. I think it could work in Utah. I don't think they're going to get the chance, especially because there are, as we're saying, so so many stronger candidates in terms of what Major League Baseball wants. Because Major Major League Baseball wants someone with deep pockets who's going to spend a lot of money um, and get a lot of butts in seats and especially get a lot of corporate support to their team. I'm very pro Nashville. At least out of all the competitors in the scene right now, Nashville is probably my favorite. I think one. Nashville or Charlotte 
are the two most likely because it's it's the the next round of expansion will a hundred percent have a team in one of those two places. I think Nashville I would put is just money on so that. marketable in the way that we don't. I, there's so much to the city of Nashville. They don't already have any. They have the Predators, but to call Nashville a hockey town, I don't know if that's necessary. Does Nashville true. then become a baseball town though? I think there's a better chance of it. Just anywhere in the Upper South, that's where Major League Baseball really wants to put a team because that's the most underserved area of the country. America's pastime, baby. They'd love it there. Yeah. Yeah. I And I think, you know, people have also said Newport News, but I think that's too close to uh, Washington that they, that, like, I don't think the Nationals would let that happen. But yeah, Nashville would be great. Charlotte would be great. Um, Portland, I think, is a good... Uh, candidate for the athletics if Las Vegas falls through. Because the even with Las Vegas, you know, the A's are really high on Las Vegas, but Las Vegas doesn't want to, you know, they also don't want to spend a lot of money to bring a Major League Baseball team because they have have just finished spending lots of money to bring a football team and a hockey team there. So... But they have all the money. Like they do. I mean, they could. Very rich But city. I think, I think some wealthy. people in the Nevada government and uh las vegas you know that county government are averse to doing so um for the athletics which makes me think that the athletics might go to portland which has been another offer floated in the past i don't i don't know all of this is hypothetical but just in terms of the options that are available to a relocating teams or b uh, Major League Baseball, who is planning on giving these expansion franchises, I don't know that Salt Lake City really stands out. Absolutely. I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I voiced my opinion there. Uh, I know we both would think it would be pretty cool to see a team in Montreal adding a second team to, to Canada's repertoire. Right. Would be and I think, cool. I think Montreal, I would love to see a team in Montreal more than anywhere else. That is unlikely for a bunch of reasons, and I still think that that's more likely than Salt Lake City because there is the there is the demographic element in terms of you know it's it is the largest North American market that doesn't have Major League Baseball in it. Um, there is the corporate element. There's absolutely corporate support there. And today, unlike in 2004, companies know that Major League Baseball makes money. You know, so they will be willing to put a lot of money into baseball. Yeah, and I think. Um... I think my favorite never gonna be a team in that location team that I would like to see would be Louisville, just so we can oh, have yeah, the, the Louisville, Louisville Slugs, the Louisville Sluggers though. That would be the team oh. I'd want to see because Louisville Sluggers is the bat, and I would I love guess that's to. True. Yeah. And Louisville, from what I've seen, I've never been. Looks like a very nice city. Louisville, um, I think, is another. I don't think there's ever gonna be a team. I, there. I don't think there but, is either. Like that would be the Nashville or like. If for whatever reason Nashville or Charlotte didn't happen, then you could maybe look at Louisville. But that's, you know, we're getting into like hypotheticals of hypotheticals. So Well, we can make up all the scenarios that we'd like to see, um, you know, where we'd like to see the next Major League Baseball team. Um, but I think it would just be better if every single team played in, uh, uh, in Florida, right? I think that would be a really good idea. Yeah. I, hey, they already hey half the league already does that for training. So. Exactly, so it's not that hard, you know. Rain, hur- hurricanes gets a little difficult. 
gets a little difficult. Just put but, uh, big domes over your stadium. But make sure that they have retractable. That make sure that they have a high enough ceiling. Make sure that they have uh, touch tanks for stingrays, mm. and it'll be really cool, and everybody will love it, and everybody will love going to your stadium because it's really cool and fun. And now introducing your Jacksonville Rays. <laughs> Every team should be named Rays. Um, no, that's never happening. Uh, and but we we can't we can't sit here and, and continue to add all these fictional scenarios. Um, but I'm glad that we were able to fit all these topics into one episode, and I think that's going to be it for this episode. Um, so whether you like it or not, Salt Lake might be in play. Okay, Salt Lake might be in play. Maybe. And you guys can let us know who you want or where you would like to see an expansion team. Um, on Twitter, uh, tweeting at us at the two scene pod, or if you like some, if you like Red Sox fans panicking, you can follow me at Tyler underscore underscore Foy. If you like uh, Rays fans having ridiculous unbridled optimism um, that will be crushed in a couple months, uh, you can follow me at Fonseca underscore ESQ. Well, thank you guys for listening, and we look forward to bringing you guys another episode next week.